Alright, what's up Team NXT? CD Danny Mac here, the voice that is your choice for NXT coverage. Back at it again with episode 53. I hope you all are having a great Memorial Day weekend, or I guess by the time I get this episode out, I hope you all had a great Memorial Day weekend, and Happy Rusev Day, coincidentally, for those of you not celebrating American Memorial Day. Episode 53 with a lot of focus on tag team action, a crucial match between TM61 and Heavy Machinery. I'm deeming this episode Mighty vs. Machinery, although the ending did have a lot to do with the gripping story that has been Tommaso Ciampa and the Gargano family. But let's kick things off with that tag team action discussion. TM61, Shane Thorne, and Nick Miller taking on Otis Dozovic and Tucker Knight in Heavy Machinery. Tucker Knight, of course, a very popular man around WWE nowadays, a greatest Royal Rumble contestant, and the Tucky chants were ringing strong through Full Sail University, of course. But Otis Dozovic, with his charisma, of course, stealing most of the show by doing his own commentary amidst his grappling with Shane Thorne. I believe Morrow even gave him a couple seconds to call his beat. Uh, the go-behind by Shane Thorne. But of course, Otis Dozovic able to turn things around with his power temporarily. Heavy Machinery's power always on display in their matchups, and you go back to that hard-hitting affair with the War Raiders that led to this matchup because of the outcome. So Heavy Machinery looking to rise up in the tag team ladder once again. TM61 appears to have a change of attitude, hoping that it could help them rise through the tag team ladder as well. With the unfortunate outcome in the Dusty Roads Tag Team Classic Round 1 in the finals rematch against the Authors of Pain, TM61 stealing a win over the Street Profits, and that seems to be a new tag team finisher because it paid off for them again. Shane Thorne and Nick Miller using synchronized action to cheat and hold the bottom rope and elevate that pin and make sure they got the 1-2-3 on the bigger opponent's once again, TM61 working on working on their tag team action, yes, but working in way less than reputable, way less than reputable tactics. I mean, you expect better. I mean, I personally expect better, although I did kind of mention this when they picked up the win over the Street Profits. Who is Roderick Strong? The segment's aired. He's in the NXT title picture. Right now, he's the current NXT tag team champion. TM61 got their segments aired after Shane Thorne returned from that debilitating knee injury, and I don't know, big things could be in their picture for now. A heel turn could always jumpstart anybody's career. It would be nice to see that kind of change occur in the tag team division outside of Roderick Strong turning on Pete Dunne. I'll get to another Who Is segment involving the women's division action, but I do want to talk about heavy machinery for just a little while longer. These are... These are two guys who have more charisma than is on their dinner plate. They're as fun as the day is long, but I don't know. It's just not stacking up as far as the wins go. They are in a safe place being so over with the crowd. They don't need the wins and losses. You don't see that philosophy often taken up in NXT. You see that a lot on Raw and SmackDown where the wins and losses don't mean much sacrifice. But Heavy Machinery losing to the War Raiders in such a fashion where they were overpowered by a debuting team, that's 
listen, great way for Hanson and Rowe to establish themselves in the tag team division by defeating former number one contenders. I can't argue with that. But give Heavy Machinery a chance to stand up for themselves again and really show that the mighty is wrong in switching their tactics. That might have just been the way I booked it, maybe to a no finish or something. But if they're pushing the TM61, I'm going to talk about this in the kayfabe way that I'm supposed to, because TM61 and a heel turn and a change in attitude, proving that they're more serious and how the mighty may not kneel, but their feet can be used in other ways as tools to elevate themselves on the rope, it's fine. TM61 racking together two straight wins, climbing that tag team ladder, the badass attitudes between Undisputed Era and TM61 clashing could be interesting, but we'll see where the one-two punch number one contendership goes that recently announced as the first confirmed match for NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, one-two punch, getting their shot at Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly, the presumed tag team for Undisputed Era defending those titles as long as Bobby Fish is on the shelf. As far as competitor goes... Bobby Fish there each and every taping, still able to perform those NWO-esque promos with the rest of of his dude crew. I'm really, really loving that nickname they deem themselves on Instagram, the Undisputed Dude Crew. And I guess I'm going to end tag team discussion on that because there would be an awkward pause if I brought that up in any real-life conversation. TM61 walk away with a huge win for the second time in a row. Let's get back to women's action. I mentioned it before with the Who Is segments. I'm going to jump around a little bit on this. I'll push back some discussion about NX3. I want to talk about the EST of NXT. That would be Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair getting a series of Who Is segments on NXT television next week. And based on what she has said, you can't otherwise assume she has lived a life of athletic and academic significance. You only see positive things in the little snippets you see. You hear the confidence in Bianca's voice. You could really tell she knows she is the fastest and the strongest and the overall best in the NXT women's division. And you gotta admire that sort of confidence. It's very boss Sasha Banks-esque. You really see the rise of another strong character in the NXT women's division when you look at Bianca Belair as well as being a hybrid athlete who can certainly impress in the ring. But let's talk about certainly impressing in the ring, and let's talk about a New Orleans rematch between Lacey Evans and Kyrie Sane. The Pirate Princess looks to further her expedition towards a Mae Young Classic Finals rematch, but Lacey Evans looks to build some momentum as a serious competitor for Shayna Baszler's title. But Kyrie Sane coming out strong against the bigger opponent, we all remember that vicious right-hand cheap shot by Lacey Evans just a couple of weeks ago. Lacey Evans improving on the mic as well. Just the character development you see furthering each and every week. Listen, NXT is developmental, but when you got it as well as Lacey Evans does, it doesn't feel like developmental for certain people too long. I feel like this recent spur of Lacey Evans could have been a long process on the NXT live circuit, but her television appearances have been worth, have been noteworthy so far the past number of weeks, including a new entrance theme, so that 
definitely can show big things unless you're Kona Reeves, then you just seem to be heading in the opposite direction. Shout out to Philium Regal if you and the Who Got Next guys are listening to this one. But let's talk about the more aggressive Kyrie Sane, the chops exchanged throughout this match, and Kyrie Sane able to pick up the pace against the larger Lacey. Evans and Kyrie Sane impressing in the ring is no real newsworthy. It's not what I'm going to spend a majority of this segment talking about. I'm talking about what most would deem a upset victory for Lacey Evans in this matchup. Impressive and improving, as I mentioned before, and a huge counter off the top rope with a huge women's right hand. I love that name. I really do. It's it's great. It shows the female empowerment that Lacey Evans is all about. It speaks to a feminist-esque gimmick that is certainly possible for her to take in the future, depending on how seriously production decides to take that sort of character direction. But Lacey Evans, with a huge, powerful right hand, seals a victory over the Mae Young Classic Tournament winner, the Pirate Princess Kyrie Sane. Lacey Evans' biggest win in her NXT career to date, no doubt about it, There is no argument for that one. Lacey Evans picking up a major victory for all the women supporting her out there, all the male fans like myself, and especially gotta be great for her daughter to see as well. Lacey Evans establishing herself as a big-time competitor. As far as contenders for Shayna Baszler's title go, we have the match with Dakota Kai. Next week has been confirmed. I'll discuss that in a matter of moments. But another big showing in the women's division has got to be the recent appearances by Nikki Cross aiding Dakota Kai. And while I'm talking about Nikki Cross, I'm going to do all the NXT women's coverage right now because I'm just dropping the dime and changing the show's direction. Let's talk about the Dakota Kai interview. Let's talk about Nikki Cross with a camera phone. When are you going to fight her? When are you going to fight her? Great, great way to start off this sort of how should I put this? Nikki Cross's crazy is going to be the vehicle for Dakota Kai's confidence. And it really shows in this interview with Kathy Kelly. She did get a little bit of time on this week to display a little bit more confidence in her voice despite having Shayna Baszler come in and interact with her. She did Baszler did try and throw her weight around. You don't stand a chance. But Dakota Kai did share some certainty, despite Shayna Baszler being, and I'm going to quote this one, that's why you saw me, possibly heard me flipping through my notes just now, the biggest bully I have come across. You could you could encounter bullies at any stage in your life. It's not just the typical schoolyard shenanigans. It's not just any sort of typical, that was me checking the Twitter to see if there was any reaction to that, but I did get a couple new followers, so shout out to each and every one of you. But let's Let's discuss bullying for a second. As adults, you don't just see it in grade school. It's not just about shoving people into lockers in high school. There's corporate bullying. There's ways to get around. There's people who push you down to jump ahead of you as far as careers go. And Dakota Kai is right now a victim of that in Shayna Baszler. And this is athletic competition. This has involved physical injury and a dislocated elbow, dislocated shoulder, I still don't know how to define that injury to Dakota Kai, and it happened numerous weeks ago. This is a rivalry going back a couple of months now here on NXT television. Dakota Kai is standing up to the biggest bully that she has come across. Will it pay dividends with Nikki Cross's strange way 
of aiding her confidence. We'll find out next week in the NXT Women's Championship match on NXT TV. I'm talking May 30th. We have an NXT Women's Championship contest between the captain of Team Kick and the bullying champion, Shayna Baszler. It's amazing the kind of twists and turns an episode of NXT can take as well. You start off the nights with so much fun and heavy machinery, and then it just takes, it just brings up this kind of intensity when, when I discuss bullying, I can't stand it. Martial arts instructor when I'm not sitting behind this microphone. So it's a subject that really hits home in case this is your first time listening to me. I am a second degree black belt in Kempo Karate, and I've been practicing for over... 17 years at this point, and anti-bullying and the psychology and the ideology, protocol, and philosophy about the martial arts and building confidence and saying no and striving for your goals is really what it's all about, and that's a subject that's very passionate to me, and being able to relate that to the recent revolution in women's wrestling only means all the more. So that's where I'm personally coming from, but let's jump into the two biggest stars on NXT's recent card. The young and the hungry team of Ricochet and the Velveteen Dream take on the Leviathan, Lars Sullivan. Three men looking to establish themselves as number one contenders for Aleister Black's NXT Championship. And boy, was this a match worth looking out for. There's a lot of impact and a lot of implications about TakeOver Chicago 2 in this one. So there's some storytelling in this match I'm not going to be able to explain, but... I'm going to certainly do my best because it definitely ends with an exclamation point. Very good synchronized tag teams. Very good synchronized action between Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. I will not take away the impressive athleticism that was displayed by these two guys. But a little bit of a miscue will cost them and you can't take your eye off the target in Lars Sullivan matchups. For even half a second. We've seen Lars's past success in handicap matches. Despite the mind games by Velveteen Dream. Despite the teaming and competing Ricochet and Velveteen Dream synchronization. There's always going to be a miscue. Especially when you want a rivalry to be pushed. As much as people want to see Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. The two hungry stars getting a takeover one-on-one spotlight. Give them, give them 20 minutes, give them 25 minutes, and let's see what these two young studs can do. But the teamwork by the two was insane, but would end with what could be perceived as a botch at first glance, but what was summarized by commentary as just a tag team miscue, Velveteen Dream not taking happy with things, delivers a rolling Death Valley driver to Ricochet, and leaves his partner in the dust to be absolutely annihilated by a freak accident delivered with a ton of purpose. Lars Sullivan is trying to cement himself as that number one contender. Will it be Scary Sullivan versus Aleister Black? Give me your thoughts on who the number one contendership going in to NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 belongs to because we will hear from the champion next week. I'm actually not sure at this point in time whether it will be in-ring competition or we are just hearing from the Dutch Destroyer. But either way, the NXT Champion returns to TV and Full Sail University next week after a huge victory by Lars Sullivan against two credible competitors. What does this mean for the NXT Championship scene?
I got a good feeling about next week, team. I really feel like the road to NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 is really going to start piecing together, and the kickoff is just before our eyes. But let's talk about the Gargano and Champa rivalry, the best rivalry and most compelling story in all of professional wrestling right now, in my humble opinion, although Chris Jericho and Naito seem to be putting together quite something of their own in NJPW. Um, any other podcasts out there want to fill me in on what's going on with that, I would more than appreciate it. But let's talk about Johnny Gargano returning to Full Sail University. Full Sail, obviously, stoked to see their favorite boy welcoming him back with Johnny Wrestling Chance. And unfortunately, it was a really somber vibe at the beginning of this one. Johnny really having to really having to think about his future here. Him and Candice obviously been discussing some things. And what we thought was coming was rumors of retirement. Johnny Gargano was pretty much going on and on about how is it worth it. The key question about this was, is it worth it? And quite frankly, yes, it is worth it. We need to see this thing conclude. We need to see the ending between this Gargano and Champa story. And Johnny wasted no time calling out Tommaso Champa. The fire and the intensity bruise, and it, it kicks off. Wow, you really see the adrenaline break through. But it did not end well for one Candice LeRae Gargano. Candice, unfortunately a victim, taking a vicious neck bump or head bump or something. Some sort of incapacitated maneuver. And the show just, just kind of faded to black with a passed out Candice LeRae. Which... I'm I'm kind of disappointed with there's you you really can't use the word disappointment when it comes to the Gargano and Champa story but you could question some things even if it is on NXT television because Candice LeRae is one of the best competitors out there in all of women's wrestling if you've seen her work prior to WWE and NXT she has been featured in a number of intergender matches. I'm not going to sit here and believe a woman who's grappled with men before is going to be taken out in such a serious condition by what some might consider an elementary bump, for I guess lack of a better term, right now. I just, I don't, I don't personally believe it right now. I'm kind of underwhelmed by that factor that Candace is playing in this rivalry thus far. It's... After that slap that she delivered to Tommaso Ciampa, I expected nothing less than her getting in the ring with the Sicilian psychopath herself. And I'm really, really bummed out to be wrong on this one. Sometimes, hey, I'll be more than happy to be wrong on some of my predictions, but there's sometimes you really want something to come true. You want WWE to start trying new things, and you want to see a step in the women's revolution like this, having a dedicated wife protect her husband's integrity like this, especially against somebody she thought she knew so well. So that's my two cents. Give me your thoughts on Candace's role in the Gargano and Champa rivalry, please. There's so many angles we could discuss this story on, but I feel Candace is playing a big role right now, but just in the wrong way. So definitely give me your thoughts on that. Let's do the social media roundup at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. 
It's where you're going to find my main roster coverage as well. I always live-tweet Raw. I always live-tweet SmackDown. Actually, I more than 80% of the time live-tweet those two shows. And sometimes I'll do spoiler-free zone tweeting behind NXT episodes as well. So definitely give me a follow on the Twitter. Reach out to me with any weekly questions and discussion topics like I would normally conclude the show with. Give me a big-time hard-hitting question, and I will do my best to make a compelling argument for any sort of subject matter. Thank you for anybody who's recently followed me on the Twitter. I'm kind of trying to push for a 1,000 before TakeOver Chicago 2, but definitely going for a 1,000 by NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4, which I will be attending for the fourth consecutive year. At at Undisputed Future Podcast is the Instagram. I just posted a couple new things up there. A wrestling meme I fell in love with will be posted up there a matter of moments from now. But definitely check out the Instagram. I got a couple pictures of my dog up there for all you animal lovers out there as well. Hit me up on the Facebook. You can reach out to me messaging me on Facebook with discussion topics as well. You could follow the show's schedule or actually you got thereof as of late. Um, it's really getting crazy. I mentioned I was trying to release the show more like takeover specials or pay-per-view times. Sort of a Saturday night, Sunday night. Sometimes you'll catch it right before... NXT releases on Wednesday. I always apologize when that happens, but sometimes I try and do it before WWE airs. That way I get to hype you up with some NXT, and then you could always just kind of come back and listen to some NXT coverage while main roster shows can sometimes disappoint you, whereas Wednesday nights rarely ever do. Kidding, of course, although not really. I am CD Danny Mac. Thank you for listening to me. This is the UFP, the EST of NXT, POD, the Undisputed Future Podcast. A lot of three-letter sequences in that. I'm going uh, to definitely keep that going. Thank you so much, team. Have a great week.